I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That end of season podcast, and it's a good one. We've got a lot of awards tonight. Joining me, two other people. Uh, Chris, welcome. Even, and of course, it's Nico. Yellow. Dave is on holiday this week, and Adam is at a family do. So we're going to go through the awards of the season all together. Uh, anyone else happy that it's the end of the season? And we get this little break, even though the internationals. No, I miss the football. Two contrasting answers. Uh, there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, Kristen, you're glad for what reason? You basically get a little holiday. Uh, I think it gives you a second to think about what's just happened. Yeah, you do sort of. I do often find you do need that little in a little bit. Um, Sounds daft to say, but once once everything's finished, then you can draw genuine conclusions instead of the the, the habit of lurching week to week. Yeah, that is one of the weird things, isn't it? Is that actually. It, that, I think that's part of what maybe people don't see from the outside of journalism is because obviously when you're reading an article, when someone says something, you sort of think, of course, do you know what I mean? But it is that almost a, a initially getting the actual salient point out, which sometimes you need the distance from to be able to get. Yeah, essentially, yeah. The, the, the break allows you to zoom out a bit. And, and I think even just personally, never mind... You, you're professional. I think it just lets you evaluate how you did things as well from a, a slightly more personal angle. Totally. Uh, and of course, uh, Nico, you're not really a Premier League uh, exclusive, are you? You're a, a multinational guy. Uh, yeah, I guess by more of uh, just being attracted to other types of football, I've I've fallen outside of the Premier League. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, I definitely agree with. Uh, maybe Chris work a lot definitely works a lot harder than I do. Um, within his own journalistic capacity, oh, no, but definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's going to be nice to have that break, but it, you know, always miss the football, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, uh, we have, let us know if you miss the football by tweeting us hashtag miss football. Um, and don't let Donald Trump get on the back of that; he might make that into a competition. Uh, anyway, we are doing the awards for the end of the season, and we asked you guys on Twitter for your original tweets. Uh, and so, let's just get straight into it. 
First of all, we can go best player, best signing, worst hair. Those are the first three which we tweeted out earlier today. Uh, some other people came back with some other suggestions, but we're going to go through those in just a little while. Um, let's start, Chris, with um, best player. I mean, who's your nomination? You can go anywhere in Europe. Best player. Um, it's hard to look past Kylian Mbappe just because of what he's achieved relative to where he started. Quite, quite literally 12 months ago, you'd have had to be a, a follower of, of French youth football to to know and predict him. And and even then, I, like I say, I've, I think I've said this before, I spoke to a scout in, in France who's like a, a football consultant for agencies and things like that. And, and even he said, I had no idea this was going to happen with him. I couldn't have predicted it. You knew there was talent there, but you didn't know it was going to sort of explode in the way that it has. What does that go to, down to? Does that go down to the system, do you think? Yes, I mean, you, you don't... It's funny, you don't want to take credit away from Mbappe, but at the same time, you want to commend the structure that has housed him because I think that's helped. And the, the thing is with him, it's the way that he handles games that impresses me most because I think the, the freedom, the lack of fear, we see that in a lot of young players because you don't know any different. And it's the just the excitement of playing. And I've talked to players about that before, younger players specifically, that moment where it stops being it stops being a real sort of not privilege, but the, the ceremony about getting minutes with the first team stops and you become established and how your mentality changes. And I think for him, he didn't ever seem to sort of didn't seem too precious with it. He just embraced it for what it was, which was a chance to perform in the first team. And and I don't think he's the finished player. I think he has weaknesses. But I think the way that that team attacks, which is quick transitions, very direct, running through the middle of the pitch, those are all elements that help him. And I think when you have a team that is so focused to your own strengths, I think it makes it that much easier to perform because you know that they're working towards a goal for you specifically. You are quite the fan of uh, Kylian Mbappe as well, aren't you, Nico? Yeah, he's been fantastic. But if I have to mention my own candidates, I think there are some obvious ones, but it's easy to look past maybe other leagues outside the Premier League. Specifically, Serie A is something that I've fallen in love fallen in love with towards towards the you know the end of the season. Well, who's who's up um, there for the nominations then for you? Uh, I, I find it difficult to look past Jorginho of Napoli as well as Dries Mertens considering uh, I think some football magazine did a special on him and, and I did my own piece as well that will be going up tomorrow um, on Napoli. But it, it's amazing to see a player that has been clearly so misused throughout their career at, in a wide position and then coming in and, and so quickly adapting and scoring over 30 goals this season for Napoli. Um, and doing so well sort of as a false nine and, and the way that they were able to utilize him and the way that they were really able to utilize all those players in such a fantastic way really makes you think about how different managers can get the best out of certain players given the situation. Um, but I guess if I'm really going to go for the most consistent across you know the entire season and really at the top of, of the game, Tony Cruz is difficult to, to bypass in terms of the effect oh, yeah, that he has. Yeah. So well, that, I, it, I think it'd be Tony Cruz. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because originally people 
were giving the credit to other people uh, within the Real Madrid team. And then Tony Cruz became, um, you know, a, the, this player under Zidane. It was always very clear that he had the potential to become that player. And there was a reason, obviously, that Real Madrid bought him. But you know what I mean by that, right? We It, it seems like Zidane's very good at getting the uh, the best out of those players. I mean, definitely so. But I, I would argue also that his impact has been... His, the level of his impact has been consistent throughout his time at Real Madrid and also, to some extent, his, the latter stages at Bayern Munich. I think not only Zidane and, and the use of, of Tony Cruz and the way that he's used him maybe as a, a bit of a deeper midfielder, but maybe something that would have gone underappreciated had he sought a move to, to England or, or somewhere else because he doesn't necessarily rack up the, the goals and assists. You know, those are the palpable stats that we see on the different sheets and, and people talking about. But I, I think the importance that Tony Cruz holds within that Real Madrid team, I think is even greater than the, than the one that, that Di Maria brought to the team a few seasons ago when they won La Decima, you know, um, because of the way that he's able to influence the game from, from defense to attack and, it's. I think I look at Tony Cruz in the same way that maybe you have an appreciation for someone like Xabi Alonso. Um, why so much? Now, what, yeah, well, now why stop? Why? <laughs> because my appreciation for Xabi Alonso is was uh, predate. First of all, it predates anyone else's. Second of all, <laughs> it will um, because that's the obvious move. The uh, ultimate hipster, Lawrence. The McKenna. ultimate hipster. No. Um, what do you think? You don't think they're similar players, though. You just sort of. You don't think they're similar players, I'm assuming, by you're making that statement? Um, because I, I think the, the conversations that you and I have had about Chubby Alonso specifically is sort of his effect on on verticality in the game. And I think Tony Cruz has that similar ability. Where that's a very good point. I, yeah. think, I, I think so many... I'll, I'll liken it to the situation where I think Wayne Rooney, one or two years ago, was making that transition towards the latter stage of his career. And he obviously, I think he has the technical ability to make a long pass, but it's sort of the football IQ to understand when that pass needs to be made that separates the fantastic players from the players that aren't doing it correctly. And I think it's such a fine margin that not many people are able to discern the difference between the two that makes players like Tony Cruz so fantastic and yet at the same time so difficult to, I guess, identify what palpably they bring to the team unless you're really studying the team. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, although part of it is I did... Do you think... What do you think about Tony Cruz defensively? I think, uh, he's, like I said again, I think they're, he's very similar to Chavi Lanzo in the sense that he positions himself so well that... I think Chubby Lonzo also said one time in an interview that if you're tackling, that means you've done something wrong. Yeah, because you've yeah. I think made, that was a who was that was a Sid Lowe interview, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think Tony Cruz has a similar, I guess, view of the game in a sense because he positions himself so incredibly well that he doesn't really have to do that often enough. He's not. I rarely, I, and I dare people to go ahead and find some, although I'm sure they will, but I rarely, rarely ever see Tony Cruz do two things, which is make a bad decision with the ball or lose it in an area where he's not supposed to or lose it at all, really. Um, and that, to me, is just incredible, especially at the top of the game. One of my favorite quotes is actually from FIFA, where uh, for a very long time, when you'd make a slide tackle, it would say, well, tackling's a dying art in the game, but uh, that's a great example of it there, isn't it? And then the COCOM would be like, yeah, yeah, no, it really is. Uh, great to see that rough and tumble on the pitch. And used to be like, yeah, yeah, wicked. Uh, whereas now FIFA's just jockeying all the time. Jockey, 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 jockey. Jockey, jockey, jockey. 
Anyway, uh, maybe not in FIFA 18. We'll see. Um, great game. Let's see. Uh, why did you say you felt like you enjoyed Serie A towards the end of the season? Because you've been watching it more or because you think it sort of peaked towards that time? I think we're seeing somewhat of a... I don't want to say evolution, but I think a re-sparking of the competition in a sense with everything that Napoli, or not Napoli, sorry, that Roma is doing off the pitch in terms of bringing it an analytics uh, department into the into the fold as well as bringing someone like Monchi um, into the backroom staff, moving past the Totiero, which, you know, as much as we celebrate him, I think is someone that maybe perhaps in an, in an offensive sense has held the club back to a certain extent because they couldn't let him go. He was taking up space in sort of the, 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 the first 11 or even the team sheet and buying another striker someone in his position would signify that maybe they're moving on from him and I think a lot of managers didn't have the I don't want to say pedigree but I think didn't have the balls or couldn't do it because he was so favored in Rome but at the same time there are other teams we've seen I mean look how early it is in the transfer window and and AC Milan are making major moves for excellent excellent players Napoli I've spoken enough about how fantastic they are and how fantastic I think they'll continue to be and Juventus obviously being the, the power that they are I think the beauty of the football that's being played there as well as the intensity in which the competition is heating up and will continue to heat up in the in the coming years is something that I'm excited to see and so I think it's with that that I enjoyed watching Napoli so much as well as the the attention to I guess the competition that's that's being brought to it now um that it's developing a little bit more is is I guess why I I, I enjoyed it towards the latter stages of the of the year certainly it's going to be interesting to see this resurgent Milan team, isn't it? I mean, uh, Chris, uh, obviously it's brand new owners there. They're looking at the off-season. Um, there's the excitement around signing all these players, but some people still do question that ownership a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's out from outside of the country. There have been other people who have questioned it. I mean, you know, Juventus fans are very proud about being owned by an Italian family, Stile Juve, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or the Juventus style, I think, as they say. Um, a lot of people fear outside intervention. Um, but Milan now almost being forced um, to, to, to look that way. I, I think there's an element of better the devil you know with this because Berlusconi, I don't think, was the definition of a, of a good, diligent owner. There were a lot of flaws with him, but there was still a huge element which, for Milan fans at least, you knew who Berlusconi was. You knew what his shortcomings were, but you also knew what his strengths so were and what, um, and what his assets were. Another one, so to speak. <laughs> the the Chinese owners, I think it's it it's something I notice whenever new owners or, or there's a potential buyer of a football club, you see fans ask journalists or, or whoever they think can provide them with it for information on the background of their prospective new owners. What's, you know, have they arrived through business? Is it a, you know, family money, that kind of thing? Do they have any history in sports? I think to look at Milan though and, and what they've done in this transfer window already, they've bought a lot. Of course they have. I think it's it's close to 102 million euros potentially because they have to buy Kessie at some point as well. That's a, an obligation to buy. It's a very young set of purchases though. And I think 
the fact that Kessie's come in, you've got Andre Silva as well. Silva is potentially a risk. I mean, he's not anything special physically, but you'd have to think in a league like Serie A where intelligent strikers can find success, that's a good fit. I, I think they're going about it the right way. And, I, and yes, there is a certain prejudice towards foreign ownership, partly because it's not one of one of your people. But I actually think that fresh eyes can bring something different to it. And for every owner like Huddersfield Town, for example, who is local and, and you know keeps the best interests of the club, I think you can have someone from abroad come in and build that and foster it. The, the problem is it's when the owners or owner or whoever expects something in return for what they're doing. That's when I think you start to hit snags because that's when you've abandoned the fact that what you're doing is you're owning a business that really what, what you should be gaining is the success of the team, nothing else. You shouldn't be looking to change your name. You shouldn't be looking to influence the way things look unless it's in their best interests of the club. And so you look at someone like Hull City who tried to change their name because they thought it would be better for, for marketing in inverted commas. But really, I don't think it was about that at all. And when that was shot down, they still wanted to do it. So then when you have to question their intentions again. And so I think, like I say, if you come in a bit like Roman Abramovich did, irrespective of the political associations and all of that murky stuff behind it, he, he to me, came in with the view of, I want to own a football club. I want to have success. I want to enjoy this sporting pursuit. Then I think it's it's a winner every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, owners are definitely an interesting one this season. Maybe there's uh, an award for best owners and other people also being bought as well. Uh, and we'll that's, see how that. That's the, I mean, that's the other thing as well. Just to, to caveat that is actually having money doesn't mean you can run a football team either. I look at uh, Dr. Tony G at, at Aston Villa who came in as a new owner and for all of his good intentions, for all of his active Twitter dialogue with supporters, he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Ella Short. <laughs> yeah. I'm, looks I'm very like open about how shit I am. Oh, okay. Ella Short, who, you know, I think is talking to potential new owners at the minute about a, a buyout arrived with a wonderful intention to try and make Sunderland a, a very prosperous football club. But again, had no sports background certainly had no football background to my knowledge and that shows up and I think that's that's the difficulty is it you have to try and delegate with confidence and that is so much easier said than done certainly is an interesting one we were talking earlier about the structure of a club in the first place and we were talking uh about how different transfer policies um from different teams um are shaping sides and how it must also be difficult for players looking at different cultures you know it's certainly something that a lot of people don't consider from the outside is the culture of a club and how alluring that is uh, people when people think of the culture of the club they very often think of a match day but i think most people don't realize about the grind for the rest of the season and how you have to realize you're basically spending your day-to-day working life there you're not just spending 90 minutes every week um so you got to work out where you actually want to be um so it's certainly fascinating um but yeah, let's move on in terms of awards, though. There are other awards to give. Uh, and also, let's look at some other people's uh, nominations. Uh, Alex Galitzin says, best player, uh, Cesar Espelicueta. Certainly an interesting one, isn't it, uh, Nico? Because 
he's had a very good season, um, moving a little more centrally, showing uh, the more dynamic aspects of his game, also the more physical aspects of his game, and also how he can play as part of that back three, which won Chelsea the title. Yeah, I think he's been fantastic, and I forget the name of the person who mentioned it, but they have a Alex. they have a good point. And yeah, Alex, he he's been, um, you know, Cicero has been fantastic in the in the role that he's been asked to occupy. I think a lot of people look at. David Luiz is someone that has an incredible range of passing, but if you actually look at the deeper statistics, I think Cesar Espelicato was the one completing um, more passes, both long and short, um, the more difficult passes. And and I think he's been at the heart of so much of what Chelsea have done right this season with that back three. So I think he's definitely got a a really good shout in, (laughs) a really good shout in, uh, in in player of the season for Cesar Espelicueta, the difficulty with that is is that defensive players are often not recognized as the players of the season um, for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I would almost definitely agree with Espelicueta uh, being being up there. He also says best signing Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It's very hard to contest that, really, isn't it, Chris? Um, Zlatan has been a great free transfer. Yeah, I think he he brought a lot. It's unfortunate that his Man United career ended in the way it did um, off to LA Galaxy now that's the talk uh, I think MLS fits him perfectly for where he's at I'm not, sure. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm not sure what a prolonged stay in Europe and, and finishing off his career there well actually I think he said he wants to finish his career in, in the US anyway but a prolonged stay in Europe is, is going to do from at this point he's been to every major league bar Germany and so, you know, even if he goes there and, and tries to win the Bundesliga, again, I'm not, I'm not sure what it achieves. The, the unfortunate thing of him, of course, is always that he, he was unable to, to win the Champions League. Yeah, that was a weird one. I mean, that is, that's one where the trivial podcasts out there will do the silly debate around, does that mean he's not one of the greatest of all time? Um, he had quite bad luck as well. I feel like there was an instance where there was two or three years where he, he seemed to he move left. every time. Yeah, the, the club he left was the one that won the Champions League in the year preceding that. Well, or, I mean, that could show quite a few different aspects, couldn't it, really? I mean, maybe he was holding them back. Probably potential. not. Potential? Um, it's not. I, I don't think it's, it's as daft a point as it might sound. I mean, I mean, it's certainly an interesting one. Barcelona, you'd argue, maybe that team... Should have won it in that time. Maybe there's a there's a case to to add on to Chris's point. Maybe there's a case to suggest that uh, I think with Manchester United this season, certainly that the system was sort of built around getting him chances or getting a striker chances, and he happened to be that striker. So maybe he only really operates well in those systems that give him a ton of chances. I mean, at PSG, there wasn't much room for Cavani. He had to play out of position on the left wing at times, which was odd. Uh, so, you know, maybe there is a, a considerable argument to be made that he was couldn't make that final step because he wasn't the player to make that final step. But at the same time, he was fantastic throughout his career. So it's difficult to to make mention of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good point. I mean, uh, he was a player who was around as part of an era when four through three was becoming very popular. So he was um, he was going to be utilized in that way. But at the same time. I think he did play as part of the front two. We were talking about this again, this, this AC Milan team come up time and time again as part of the, the front two. Someone uh, reminded me of who the other person was up front, by the way. It was Antonio Cassano that he used to play up front with at wow. AC Milan. What a front two. 
uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of uh, any two bigger guys with a uh, higher opinion of themselves in the game. Um, apart from, of course, if you then subbed on Robinho. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty interesting front two at Milan, although it was more like front four, maybe even a front three, great poker. Um, yeah, no, I see a point. Although, mm, yeah. And at the same time, he did sort of give away quite a lot um that AC Milan team was not equipped to win the Champions League um, by that point. Anyway. But at the same time, I, I think, and you said this, that Barcelona team was definitely... I, the fact that he couldn't play in the same team as Messi because he felt like... I mean, he obviously had discrepancies with Guardiola, but if I think that was more down to the fact that he wanted to be played over Messi. And if you can't do that, then I don't know. Yeah, it's sort of about sacrificing yourself. Uh, what was that conversation I heard the other day about uh, players not being able to play side by side because they couldn't? One player couldn't sacrifice for the other. There was someone who didn't want. It might have been an NBA team actually. Um, oh no, um, there's a re- in Morata. Apparently, there are, there are players like who uh, apparently Ronaldo prefers playing with Benzema over playing with Morata. Um, for the pure reason that he feels like he'll get more out of Benzema than he will out of Morata. Benzema's brilliant. He came so. through the academy. Uh, no, apparently Morata's just uh, apparently Morata's um, personality is just the way it is. Apparently Buffon took him to one side. I might be stealing from another podcast here, but I can't really work out. Um, but basically, Buffon took him to one side at some point and said, "Listen, you need to uh, grow up," because apparently Morata. When the, it was the World Football phone in on Five Live, and I think it's Mina Rizuki said at one time Morata was crying all the time while he was at Juventus, and apparently one time Gianluigi Buffon took him to one side and said, um, "You know, you need to in sort of maybe a slightly less uh, sexist way, uh, you need to man up," um, and uh, apparently he really took that to heart, um, and since then has sort of fought to prove people wrong. Um, I believe I wrote that about that this week for for Unibet of all people. I haven't read that article yet. What, what, what do you? What's the rough outline? And is it where can you read it? Unibet. Yes, essentially uh, that that story is correct. It was Buffon who said that he has all. He told Morata that he thinks he has all the tools. He just needs to kind of get over his mental hangups. Yeah, uh, or, or man up, as we say in the football industry. Uh, you need to man up with your tools. Uh, anyway, but back to best signing. Anyone want to, else want to go for best signing? It's sort of a tricky one. Some people out there saying Genie Wijnaldum. Um, Liverpool fans. John Stones. Uh, sorry, there seems to be some sort of issue with the line there. I thought you said John Stones, <laughs> Nico. Uh, no, I'm not going to go for John Stones. I think he'll, he'll eventually come good or come better. I don't think he's been bad, but. Um, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly, well, it certainly is interesting because uh, earlier in the week, again, I was listening to another podcast, which is the new one called The Mixer with Michael Cox and Marcus Speller. And Marcus was making the good point that a lot of other um, centre-backs with similar properties to John Stones, uh, or characteristics, well, I, think, I should say, have sort of been through the same timeline as in Rio Ferdinand. I think... I, th- I think I wrote this at the beginning of the season, and I I, th- the t- I forget the title of the article, but I theorized sort of that John Stones, and I think I was scrolling through Twitter right before this, where 
I guess I didn't watch the Scotland game, but I guess he didn't do that well. And I think I, I said this in the article that I, I don't think John Stones will ever be successful with the English national team because I don't really ever see them going towards a style or a system that really suits him that well. And That's right. Probably we, we, won the, we won the won the under twenties World Cup, so <laughs> shut up. So so we'll so I don't know. Maybe those systems will will probably expose him as well because you need more. I don't know center backs that are better in one-on-one situations or more physical and John Stones doesn't necessarily excel in that department right now. Um, and so I, I sort of said that a long time ago, but I, I don't know how he did in the Scotland game. Yeah, but Chris, we won the under-20s World Cup, so. Yeah, that was England, in a very good Venezuela side as well. Yeah, um, certainly uh, if you look at the front line at least. And the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, obviously uh, eligible for goalkeeper in the tournament. He was fantastic. Yeah, and I think Yangel Herrera will have a, a good career. The um, he's kind of a defensive midfielder. Is it, P- is it also Pena as well? Pe- Pena. Uh, I know who you mean. I believe it's Penradana. I could be get that. He's um, he's owned by Watford, or well, he's owned by the Pozzos, so that could be one of two, two or three clubs. I think he's potentially at. But yeah, he's, he's under that umbrella. Um, it'd be nice to maybe see him in the Premier League this season, up, up close if, if possible. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah, he's he did look a, a good player. I know he didn't have the greatest uh, final. I think he missed a penalty at one stage. But I mean, yeah, he had a penalty saved. But yeah, that was certainly was. Yeah, um, but still good, right? Definitely and great on the. I mean, he's some lovely turn, lovely close skill. But then it also does, and this is the problem with watching um, sort of tiered football, isn't it? Is that it's very easy, of course. Close skill at under twenty level is very different to close skill at the senior level um it's almost it's more almost more allowed weirdly do you know what i mean by that yeah it, i mean it could People be nerves. stand off you a little bit more yeah I mean? that's what i was thinking it could it, you could be afraid of making a mistake um that's that's the thing if if you know you if you engage in the wrong way you could be made to look a bit of a fool so i see why there's that maybe a little bit of nervousness there in the players uh, while we're talking about the England national team, um, why are Liverpool tapping everyone up, Kristen? Uh, why are Liverpool being accused of tapping everyone up, at least? Well, because they clearly want Virgil van Dijk. It's, it's not the first time they've done this, either. Solan- I mean, Solanke as well. as Chelsea are apparently now accusing them of uh, that, although I don't know if that's just a headline that The Sun wrote because Solanke was going to be in the headlines anyway. Um, well, actually, the one I was re- referring to was Clint Dempsey. Oh wow! Okay, many years ago, Fulham. Um, I believe. Apology to this Van Dyke one. With him, when they shouldn't have. It's. I think what you can say is it's just poor form, more than anything. I, I don't think there's anything, you know, egregiously wrong with it because, by all accounts, Van Dyke wants the move. I, I don't think they've unsettled him. I think he was probably looking to move on regardless. Of course, if I'm a Southampton fan, I'm really annoyed because, you know, it is the famed tapping up of sorts. I, I still think to, Chris, to well, do it that way, it's just poor. That's all. It's 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 poor form more than anything. But as somebody who works in that industry or more on that side of things, what what exactly is tapping up? It's when you engage in discussions with a player about a potential move without having the permission of the football club. So, just for example. Say when you play football manager or something like that, you agree the fee first and then you talk to the player. 
Yes, right? so you can't really tap anyone up, although it would be a fascinating side well, if you this, did this is up. This is the point I was coming on to. There are instances where a club will say, I believe Alvaro Morata fits into this bracket, actually. The club will say, yeah, you can discuss personal terms with them, no problem, and then agree the fee afterwards. So you don't have to do it in the that traditional agree the fee, do the personal terms, complete right. the deal. Yeah, yeah. But you need their permission. That's the key difference. Okay, so basically the club are almost saying you can sound the player out, and if the player is open to that, then we're... It's sort of a weird one, isn't it? Because it's totally down to the way that the player then perceives that. It's whether the player then says, okay, thanks, I'll leave, or says, no, I really I want to stay. Or there's, I suppose there's a number of different ways you could take that, aren't there? Yeah, I, th- I think that's the. I think that's probably why Southampton are frustrated, because if, if for example, Liverpool Especially if you've got a loyalty him, card, I mean, Liverpool. Well, that's the thing. If, if, if they've spoken to Van Dijk and convinced him there's every chance that he then, and I don't think he has tried to do this at all, tries to push the move through. And it just makes things... Essentially, the, the grievance of Southampton is he's been unsettled by Liverpool. And so you could debate until the wee hours whether that's true and, and that aspect of things. But yeah, I, th- I think ultimately it's just poor from a club that big. They, you know, This is not their first rodeo. They know how to do this kind of thing. So I don't know why they've opted to, to take that approach. It's a little bit of a weird one. Uh, there are times where you do think that the the hierarchy of ownership or whatever it is does come into play there. And again, the sort of Americanized culture of which way around we do things. And, and maybe also the respect for the English culture of that is a little bit, because I'd imagine there's different things in different countries where, you know, maybe culturally it's not seen as tapping up or those sort of things. Or maybe some people just don't mention it because it's such commonplace almost. Um, possibly. The kind of thing where if, if it benefit, if, if all sides benefit, then maybe that the, that that team doesn't complain. Um, but yeah, then say, I mean, say Liverpool the had then gone. Been yeah, I mean, well, or Liverpool. Yeah, because it is, is it, isn't it, bids, isn't it, yeah. sort of a a weapon of sort of the less. I'm not going to say the weak, but maybe the less fortunate in the sense that if Liverpool don't try to contact Van Dyke and get maybe him to lean towards the Liverpool side of things through intangibles, non-wage related. And Van Dyke is more in favor of a move to Liverpool as opposed to going the traditional method of no one's really allowed to talk to Van Dyke unless Southampton says yes. And Southampton are looking to receive all the offers first. And they're more likely to get more money from, let's say, a Manchester City or a Manchester United. But he wants to go to Liverpool, who are, who are only going to pay X amount. Then it serves Southampton lesser for people to do this because they've Van Dyke's been sold on a on a dream that has nothing to do with Southampton, and Southampton are getting less money. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, there's a lot of different ways you could take it, aren't there? Because you could say, well, um, yeah, but that that probably happens quite a lot. Um, or you could also say, I mean, you know, when it comes to the international break, there's a number of players or you know, players talk these sort of things. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it must be really weird when you go to the England. I think I remember there was a time when. Uh, Chelsea wanted Gerard, and you know Gerard obviously went away to international break, and Gerard was pictured with Lampard and Terry, and people were like, "Look how happy he is with him, with them." Um, and there's almost no doubt that the players will know about that, or you know, and there's no doubt that Mourinho or someone within the team won't have gone to them and said, "Well, you know, have a little word." Surely, Chris. It's 
I've heard of it. Let's put it that way. I've definitely heard of it. Where I'm not accusing Mourinho of that, by the way. I'm no, no, of course. Where manager X will say to the player on their team that has a mutual friend or a connection, look, can you talk to them about that? The problem or the difference... Why don't you tell them how good it is here? The difference, I think, with that is it's not formalised discussions. It's no more different to say, oh, you should come, you know, you should come to mine for dinner sometime. It's not a formalised offer. I think that's... I'm still going to show up on the Thursday, do you know what I mean? Well, this is the thing. It, It would be nigh impossible to govern if that kind of thing became illegal. Because what's to stop, you know, just... It it would become really meet me by the docks type stuff. You know what I mean? Especially in Liverpool. Or Southampton, I suppose. Um, similar cultures. Meet me by the docks. Uh, good. Now, we've sort of got off the uh, the train of the awards, which is why we sort of have to get back to them. Uh, who else? Uh, some people saying uh, play, best player of the year, Cristiano Ronaldo. Honourable mention, Isco. Um, or... Modric. Modric, yeah. I mean, that's from Edgar tweets to you. I mean, you know, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is almost one of the, un, uh, one of the ones that goes out saying, really, isn't it, Chris? But what a yeah, season. I, th- I think so. I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I, again, had wrote um, something just referencing Ronaldo recently and was watching his... Uh, unveiling at Real Madrid back in 2009 and he stood there alongside Alfredo de Stefano and it's it's difficult to to really compare because de Stefano was long before my time I feel as if when you talk about de Stefano as an icon of Real Madrid you can definitely apply that tag to Ronaldo now yeah I mean he's become because, because of what he's achieved yeah. you mean all of the surrogate things the the champion the right. fight okay, know, yeah. three champions On leagues i think he's the highest goal scorer he's won the maliga it's the fact that he scored almost he, almost got a hat trick in the final scored a hat trick on the way to the final the, most the, assists the, most well, goals the thing is with him he he hasn't been at real madrid his whole career and yet when you think of ronaldo at least in my head he is synonymous with real madrid well that's, the, that's the key I don't, I don't, when someone tells me, you know, when someone mentions the name Ronaldo to me, I don't think about the Ronaldo of Manchester United. I don't think of the Ronaldo of Sporting Lisbon. Essentially, because I, 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 do, of, I do, see, I do sort of think of the, I mean, I, but I almost think of that Ronaldo as a different Ronaldo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's almost like a player that, I don't mean like died, but sort of, you know, transformed. Realised yeah, the dream, we might say. And yet, still, Sir Alex Ferguson is at every one of those finals. A bit like the John Terry. No, I'm not. I'm joking. Sir Alex Ferguson is very, very different to the John Terry. Um, of, I mean, he, first of all, he isn't kit up. Um, anyway, uh, honourable mention. Um, some be- we also obviously said worst hair. Now, some people have said. Uh, I mean, first of all, speaking of Ronaldo, he has those blonde tips. Firmino. Um, yeah, some people saying Firmino for the tiny little ponytail that he had. It was awful. The top knot. Oh, do you terrible. think? It, do you think it's bad? I mean, you can want, you can talk, but you know, I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. The hair, I think Firmino's was really bad when it first, I'm glad he cut it off, basically. I don't know. I don't know who else had bad hair. I, I wasn't a big fan of the dyeing his hair blonde, the messy move. Um, oh, but I'm excited oh, wow. to see Dave do it. Yeah, some people are already saying, well, is it is it sort of a foregone conclusion that Dave's hair will be the worst hair of the season? And we're not averse to that as a suggestion, but Dave's not <laughs> able to defend himself. Um, so there's also Arnautovic's top knot. Arnautovic has always had sort of bad hair, hasn't he? Um, yeah, that's the difference. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think Firmino had, I don't even, sometimes I question whether Firmino looks, I don't even know what he looks like sometimes. He's got quite a sort of um, caricaturish demeanor and therefore he sort of comes across as as a bit of a caricaturish um, look. And he also does stuff which sort of seems like there aren't that many players that you sort of know. I mean, the, the iconic thing that he sort of did was the, um, the like the the barrel roll next to uh, who was the player uh, Soldado. Do you remember that sort of the weird flip skip? Oh, he does that weird skippy flip thing away from players, doesn't? Oh he? yeah, 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 yeah. Which is yeah. a very pretty, like it's very satisfying to watch because it's a real yeah. shift of weight. Um. But it's certainly a weird one to watch. Um, however, if you know if you if you like him as a Liverpool fan, you know he gets the best out of. He also uh, has the games. he also has the color contacts and the really really white teeth. Like searing all, white. I think is I think a spray tan. So the combination of all of those things do you is really just. Do you think he odd. gets a spray tan, or do you think he's just a naturally? There's no way he gets that much sun in Liverpool. I really don't think so. Maybe he goes on the beds. That's what I'm saying. Or, I mean, yeah, you know, artificial. A, yeah. I mean, he's a naturally, Artif- he's a naturally um, olive complexion fellow. Yeah, um, more than olive, but yeah. Um, Elliot Hackney, of course, uh, also a friend of the front three um, of Bear Pit TV, says uh, most Tory player. Um, Kristen, is there a to- um, the most? And when he says Tory, he means conservative. We're speaking about the election here. Um, the most Tory player in the league, Chris. Who's the most conservative out there? In the Premier League or in English football? Uh, uh, I mean, did you have someone in English football? Carl Henry. Why is he very Tory, is he? Uh, he's tweeted to, to that effect before. Wow. And that's actually quite a surprise. I feel like, that, I feel like Danny Simpson would be in there. Interesting. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, there's probably quite a few conservative players, aren't there? I mean, football it, itself doesn't come across as very sort of 
Tory sport, but then you've got to say the deregulation of a lot of things did sort of facilitate the movement of the Premier League. So it depends how you how you believe people come to that affiliation. If it's yes, there's a lot of working class players, but then I imagine a lot of conservatism springs from when Being someone gets money and then yeah. wants to keep it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, but changing then also, the I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, if you want to be uh, upwardly mobile class-wise, then there's certainly something to be said there. But at the same time, Chris, I mean, you know, there's the, the foundations laid by predominantly working-class men. Yes, no, and undeniably the roots of the game are, are in the working classes. But then, uh, but then, then, really, that's not the question. And really, we are getting, I mean, you know, Sol Campbell uh, is another good, uh, mm-hmm. by Louis Benivenetti, Benevenetti uh, says that. I mean, is there anyone else? Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of other Tory. I'm, I mean, I'm looking through a list of players here. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain looks like a classic sort of Labour voter. Um, Mbappe, again, looks like a fairly liberal guy. Uh, I'd imagine Coutinho maybe votes uh, sort of monster raving loony party um i'm just trying to, uh, Mar- i mean mares could mares looks like the kind of guy who could vote conservative do you know what i mean by that a little yeah, bit yeah I, I get what you're saying by that yeah uh, there's an element of prick about him um <laughs> uh of course um do, do you think totty is a conservative yeah Definitely. Yeah, he, mm, I know. Well, yeah, he comes from Rome. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he's had he's had some very, pretty pretty sexist uh, comments in the past. Sure. I mean, uh, we all know that Theresa May is famously a feminist, <laughs> uh, having worn the t-shirt, of course. Um, Zidane. I mean, Zidane looks like a liberal. No, he's liberal. Yeah, is he? Very liberal. Yeah, I think he's had some political comments that he, he wanted Macron to win. I think. Sure. Although, yeah, but then that—that's partly also down to his roots and you know Zidane's lineage, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Being Algerian. Yeah, I do. Where does I, Jeremy Vardy fit in? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how is uh, Mister Natal doing nowadays? Um, He's got some creative nicknames for friends he hasn't met yet. Very good point. Um, well, that is that is certainly one way of putting friends we haven't met yet. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all those guys. And then uh, over the past week, Pep Guardiola, of course, was... Uh, I've only seen pictures of it. I've not actually heard the speech. But Pep Guardiola made a speech at a Catalan independence rally. Yeah, I, I heard about that. He uh, apparently uh, very in favour of it, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he is... You'd argue there are a lot of people... I'm, uh, Jared Piquet is in favour of it. Yeah, there have been a number of... I guess, incidents with the Spanish national team and the Catalonian independence sort of movement. It's it's definitely an interesting one, definitely one to delve into. Certainly, um, yeah. I mean, if you go for digs this season, uh, PK and Sergio Ramos certainly have gone back and forth in terms of awards for that, haven't they? They've, they've always gone back and forth, to be fair. Yes, true. Yeah. Which makes their relationship within the national team as a centre-back pairing all the more interesting. It's a little bit of a weird one. I mean, yeah, we were um, we were talking about that, weren't we? About whether players get on off the pitch. Was it Dwight York and um, Andy Cole who didn't get on off the pitch but played very well? Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole. 
Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Famously did not get on at all. Even though they were part of the trouble winning Man United side. I'm, try- I'm trying to think why they didn't get on. Um, I feel like it was something to do with England. Yeah, in that um, neither of them got on because neither of them really made it with England. Uh, no, no, this is what it was. So I had a quick oh, Google there while I was... Okay. Um, so it relates to... Obviously, Sheringham was quite established with England. Um, and did he refuse to put a good word in? No, it seems like he... It seems like one call was substituted on for... Hang on, I'll just read this to you. It was early 1995. I had recently signed for Manchester United. It was my England debut against Uruguay. I was a sub. I came on for Sheringham, then at Spurs, after about 70 minutes. You'll need to understand that what was in my head at that moment to get even close to comprehending my reaction to what happened next. I was so nervous, it was frightening. This was the culmination of my lifetime ambition. You hear the cliche. I walk on the pitch, 60,000 or so watching. Sheringham is coming off. I expect... A brief handshake, a good luck call, he's something, something. I am ready to shake, he snubs me. He actively snubs me for no reason I was ever aware of then or since. Okay, yeah, that is quite a bad one, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you could put that down to uh, maybe competitive edge? Yes. I personally, I have a hard time um disliking Sheringham though because he had possibly the funniest Twitter account I've ever seen. What you mean the one where he actively just went through every glamour model in the country and tweeted, Hey babe, long time no see. Uh, Essentially yeah. Drink he yeah. Didn't realise that Twitter was a public form of communication. <laughs> that was really and funny. so sent uh, an identical tweet of what it must have been sixty or so glamour <laughs> models. It really was. One after another as well. Yeah. Uh, I also did an interview with um, Teddy Sheringham where he didn't look up from the Nuts magazine that he was reading um, all the way through the interview. So there you go. England great. England great, Teddy Sheringham. Uh, What a guy. I also once had to, uh, it was part of a promotion for Coke and you had to, alongside Teddy Sheringham, commentate. Uh, on a goal, your favourite goal, um, and I didn't pick a Teddy <laughs> goal. Wow! Yeah, I picked Michael Owen against Argentina, which is probably one of the reasons he wasn't on the field, right? Actually, that's probably a good point. Although I didn't know it'd be Teddy Sheringham um, there at the, on the, at the time. Anyway, uh, I was young. Oops. Uh, let's uh, let's actually move on now to goal of the season. Although, uh, very quickly, uh, I will also say, retire- before we do goal of the season, which is very, very exciting, should we say retiree of the season? Because there are quite a few good retirees this season. Uh, the top We know one, who you're going for. Uh, yes, Philip Lahm. Um, <laughs> now, Philip Lahm, of course, has stepped down in football. Uh, you know, I mean, he's had quite the career, hasn't he, Nico? Uh, quite incredible, really. And then the adaptability, which he's shown later on. Pep Guardiola, uh, famously, very much in love with the man. Yeah, I think um, right back to one of those positions that even if you're outstanding, as someone like Philip Vaughn has been, maybe you don't get as recognized as, as you should be considering how important a position it's been, especially in the current football climate with the role of fullbacks uh, as a whole. 
but yeah, I think it's it's a weird one, but I think it's it's one that accurately represents Philip Lom as a player in the sense that he could probably go for two or three more years, but it would be sort of like a Pablo Zabaleta thing where you clearly are not good enough to compete at the highest level anymore, and you're just, I don't know, sort of a burden to a certain extent. And Philip Lom never wanted to be that, so he's retiring adequately at the top of his game as he always has been so we're gonna miss him sort of felt the same for Xabi Alonso as well Xabi Alonso probably had a few more seasons in him uh just not at this level maybe uh and he felt the time is right he also sort of said it felt right because he could uh shape his kids lives at this point which felt quite nice um Tati, also- Tati is but b- past my time but obviously people gonna mention him he was sort of on the fringe. He's sort of on the fringe of my consciousness too. Uh, I didn't get to see that much Serie A growing up, but I knew how good he was. Um, and to to be that long with one club is obviously incredible. But to be that so long with the club and also remain at sort of a level where you're scoring goals or you're doing incredible stuff, you do sometimes wonder if it's similar sort of shades of Ibrahimovic though, Chris. You know what we were talking about earlier, where you know the team sort of built around him. Who's that? Sorry, Totti. He's very difficult uh, to sort of move away, you know, with him in the system or him in the team. Still got yeah. some fantastic passes. And fantastic he, goals. He did. I think I think this is a problem as old as time that that, that one club man, there comes a point where actually his benefit on the field is so diminished that nostalgia tops the rest of the glass up, if you will. And I think that was the problem with, with Totti, was that Yes, as, as Nico points out, he could still spray the odd pass. But what else were you gaining? And and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I, I mean that as much as he wanted his career um, to, to continue, which I can totally understand. It's, you know, you're a long time retired. No one wants to, to stop that career a day earlier than, than they probably have to. Um, but I think, yeah, I think his time had, had come and Did had you- been and gone already. Did you hear his, uh, I think, so Howler or someone at Howler did, a, uh, not a piece on him, but they sort of do interesting football updates uh, with weird pieces of news within football media. And apparently, I forget which one of his teammates came out with this, but he said that he went back and forth The because obviously Manchi had come out in a press conference and said that Tati was going to be retiring at the end of the season, and that was the announcement. It was sort of not anticlimactic, but people thought it was weird that Manchi had announced it. So in the week leading up to the final game, which was still a really important game for Roma because third place is is not direct qualification, I believe, for Serie A. It's, it's yeah, the playoff, it's the and then you go up from there. So they were still completing, competing for second place with Napoli. And so that, that last game was still important for them. They needed to win it. And he had said he had gone back and forth that week and and said I'm gonna continue playing and or I'm retiring this week or whatever, and then he also said that if he had gotten a penalty in the in the last game that he would have purposely missed it and blasted it into the curva norda, which is the uh, I guess the what what are they called the ultras for for Roma yeah so and they they only won that game. Uh, I think it was like it's Empoli or I forget who by one goal. So thank God he he didn't get a penalty or didn't get a chance to take one. But that was just an interesting little tidbit that was released by someone on Howler. It was it was interesting. It certainly is fascinating. Um, 
Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting retirees this season. Uh, retired. Uh, let me. I just want to make sure we've not missed anyone out there. Is anyone else retired? Football players. Uh, Twenty seventeen. Here's all the soccer legends who retired in twenty seventeen. Uh, of course, one one person I did miss there was um, Frank Lampard, of course. Yes. Uh, Chris went went to finish his career in America. Wow, that's one short list of soccer legends. Thanks a lot, uh, Fox Sports. Uh, yeah, it's only three one, players. Two, on three the same players. List. <laughs> uh, three players long, and they've not even written about. Oh no, they've written about Xabi Alonso. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Although he did, that's a lovely kit that he retired in. Uh, anyway, Chris, uh, Frank Lampard retired in the end. Um, was that what was that down to? Do you think? I mean, uh, wh- did he look off the pace, or what? What was the reason? No, I don't think he looked off the pace. He scored a lot of goals in my life, actually, in in um, the sort of second season he had. He did suffer with a few niggling injuries, just like little annoyances, calf problems, things like that. I think it. I think he had probably just got tired, and, and you know the the thing is as well. It's so easy to say, "Well, keep going on," but at that point, you have to think the offers are, are not going to be as high caliber as they was two or three years ago, and and sometimes you have to kind of guard your legacy a bit and think, "Well, do I want to just drop down the pyramid again and again and again?" Because you look at someone like Sol Campbell, who I think did he go. Yeah, he went. Did he go Notts County and then Newcastle, or Newcastle and then Notts County? Uh, it, either way around, it really isn't fantastic. Yeah, I, either way, you know, it, there was no. I'm just going to check it for my own. Uh, yeah, he went to Notts County, then did a little spell at Arsenal, and then Newcastle. Was the Notts County thing down to him being? Um, was that down to their injection of cash? Yeah. But the point is, is that he didn't, he didn't Old bow Sanigans. out. Yeah, he didn't bow out on top. That's that's the key um, thing I'm trying to stress here is that for him it was a career that sort of dwindled instead of um, you know exploded a little bit like a firework. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Cantona for is a good example of that. I think he retired at twenty nine or something, didn't he? Wasn't that out of just? He said he'd lo- lost love of the game, though, didn't he? It was sort of a bit of a weird one. He just sort of retired because he wanted to, less because he was sort of forced to. Yes, um, that's true. But still, ev- everyone sort of retires, and that you know, everyone everything within its own time. You'd imagine though that obviously, if players could keep playing, then they would. Maybe some players just feel like they have lost the whatever they feel like they've lost um some very sweet moments i mean we you know there's still some players who look absolutely fantastic i still love uh watching uh figo figo uh there's a lot of players who can still they've still got that touch haven't they uh robbie fowler i remember in the wembley cup scored an incredible free kick uh albeit against not a not professional goalkeeper i don't remember who the goalkeeper was at the time but um not professional goalkeeper um figo scored an incredible free kick recently uh, in a Legends game. Um, and I, I think I've seen Rui, some clips of Rui Costa playing as well more recently. Um, interestingly. 
Anyway, uh, goal of the season. Now, uh, Nico, I'll come to you first on this one. There's certainly a lot of nominations in there. If we go Premier League-wise, we've sort of got... Uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, ideas, actually. I, mean, I suppose you could go for... Uh, there's obviously the two weird heel goals that went in, sort of the, the scorpion kick, if you like, the heel kick. You go for Mkhitaryan or Olivier Giroud on that one? I would probably say Olivier Giroud. I think it was more intentional on his on his part. The goal of the season, though? Um, as much as I detest the Emre Can one, it was pretty good. Uh, pretty late in the season, got Liverpool out of a sticky situation, pretty... I think the Man City against Hull team one was pretty good. There's a few ones that we scored against West Ham in that FA Cup game, in that in that FA Cup tie that were pretty good. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say I, I think Olivier Giroud was brilliant. Yeah, probably that one. Chris, what about what about for you? Did you any good goals down in the Championship that you remember this season? Uh, Philip Billingham, an absolute stonker from about. Oh, it must have been 30, 35 yards for Huddersfield. Really? That was a that was a pretty special one, yeah. John Joe Shelby's um, not um scoring. He almost had the goal of the season against Sheffield Wednesday. He hit the cross a, from about halfway. Really? What about okay, I'll I'll pose this question. Goals that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily consider them goals of the season because they weren't that great, but goals that meant a lot to maybe you personally. So for me, for example, I think Yaya Toure's Goal against Crystal Palace was pretty great because I like seeing him score because I love him. I did quite enjoy Firmino's goals this season, quite um, good-looking goals. I mean, he always scores sort of very... Firmino's goals always look very satisfying. Do you know what I mean? He's a satisfying I love the, I love the, uh, the moment when Firmino passed to Adam Lallana and celebrated before not scoring against Manchester City. Oh, yeah. and that, well, it was just, Yeah, he was celebrating and then... It and then he looked back. More of a, yeah, it became more of an epic um, anger, really. Th- you know, like he sort of it looked like he was angry on the floor. And it was really quite fun. Although, we've really got to look at the rise of Adam Lallana this season. We've been looking at the rise of any player. Adam Lallana looked great for England the other night against Scotland. He looked great for Liverpool. And when he was out injured, Liverpool also looked as if they missed him. It certainly is. It, it's the Klopp effect, isn't it, really, at Liverpool there? What, what goal means the most to you personally? Goal means the mo- um, maybe it's the one that opened the scoring for Liverpool. Um, what was that goal at the very end of the season? Was it? Uh, it wasn't Coutinho. Was it a penalty that unlocked it for Liverpool? In the I'm end? not even talking about this season. I'm talking about like period. What's what's period. what's the one goal if you could rewatch it? If you if you could have it put to DVD and take it with you to a desert island, what would be the goal? It would be the Alonso penalty kick in the. Um, in, I mean, weirdly, the Alonso penalty kick in the Champions League final against. Um, that's a that's a tough question. I, I I mean, I think that the easy place to land for Manchester City fans is the Aguero goal. Oh yeah, that's yeah. such that's a title. satisfying goal, though, isn't it? It is. It is. A, it, plus the commentary, you got to have the commentary in there. So. Yeah, it's the, it yeah, and also knowing that there are Manchester United fans somewhere around the world, sort of cringing. <laughs> yeah, Chris, what about for you? Uh, Jonas Gutierrez against West Ooh. Ham on yes, the last day of the season. That was a great one. Yeah. Um, specifically because, thanks to Lawrence, uh, we had the pleasure of meeting him <laughs> yeah, for the afternoon a, a few months prior. Um, and and usually I'm very professional around players, and I don't 
indulge in fine. I've never asked to play for an autograph, never asked to play for a photograph, anything like that. Um, but when he, he kind of told us that he was definitely leaving and all this kind of stuff, I couldn't help but just indulge for a moment and and tell him, you know, thank you for trying at least, because he had all the reasons not to try, gone through cancer and all that kind of stuff, and yet still ran himself ragged and and tried to to give the season some kind of meaning. And so the fact that it was him that finished off the season and, and got that moment, it was, uh, yeah, it was really nice, actually. I mean, Nico, have you got, is there anything else you can, I mean, surely there's a, a, a US men's national team goal in there as well. I'm not, I'm not that passionate about, you know, a fervent supporter of the national team. But I think as a kid. He's a god. <laughs> as a kid i grew up really idolizing the spanish national team because my grandma um when we visited my grandma in, in Hihong, um in the northern part of spain she got me a raul jersey and so i really fell in love with that team um so I, i've really felt more of a connection to la roja as opposed to the the u.s men's national team in reality so i'd probably say that the euro 20 what was it the year 2012 goal uh, in the final from Jordi Alba against Italy was oh, God, supreme. Yeah, that, yeah. Triple Corona, that one, in the end. Uh, and the only reason I know that is because, yeah. Anyway, uh, some great goals out there during that time. Uh, Luthro says, uh, Luthro, sorry, says, best player, Harry Kane. Best signing, Jorginho Wijnaldum. Worst hair, Hector Bellerin. Um... I mean, he certainly does have different hair. Right? Yeah, towards towards the latter stages of the season oh, when he had that like top way. knot with the side samurai things, whatever it was, that was pretty bad. I like it. I like samurai hair. Yeah, if it's done right, but if you have a scraggly mustache and you're like what five five, then it probably doesn't look great. Do you think he's five five? I mean, five five. You really do have a thing about height, don't you? I'm not that tall myself. I just you know I like Lorenzo Insigne, and he's actually five five. Have you seen that picture? Have you seen that picture of him? He is standing next to the mascot, you know, the kid mascots that they bring out oh, previous to the match, and he yeah, is yeah. shorter than the mascot. Yeah, I mean, growth spurts will do that to a kid. Uh, that kid was actually four. Um, breakout star of the season, we've sort of said Kylian Mbappe. Um, anyone else? I mean, there's not really... I suppose we're looking for other people's shouts out there at this point. We can look for your great replies. Worst managerial appointment. I mean, David Moyes really has to top that list, doesn't he, Chris? Yes, just because I think it was a terrible. Uh, I think yeah, it was just a, it was just a bad appointment from start to finish. He wasn't fit for the job or anything like that. So yeah. And also, just make constant negative um, comments. I mean, the Rumble yes. have had many a laugh over this, but was it? Was it Tony Adams at Granada that Ooh, was at the okay. end? We, I don't think we, we we don't criticize that one from our side because we just look at it as oh you know he's doing them a favor, but almost he didn't, a celebrity. Apparently. I don't think they scored a single goal under Tony Adams. Yeah, but did they I mean, concede a goal under? Oh right, okay. They conceded a lot of goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I, I would say him, and I think for someone that says so much in the media about... Because he's spoken a lot about Arsene Wenger, I think. I mean, yeah, that's a bit of a weird yeah. one. Yeah, I think that's just more... Uh, yeah, that was a weird... That is a bit of a weird um, one. I mean, if, you, if you're if you into stories about Tony Adams, then go and listen to The Magic Sponge with Ray... I mean, Ray Parler has hundreds of stories. I think every day at uh, Arsenal was a different 
Beano comic um, back in the day. <laughs> it really did sound like just very unusual uh, stuff happened every day, and they'd just drink all the time, which now looks like it's glamorizing it, but back in the day, it just seemed like part of their lives. Um, the most shocking managerial sack of the season. Um, I suppose you can't really say... Ma- ma- um, Who will? Uh, was he? Yeah, I suppose so. Matt Zari? For me, at least. No, Matt Zari, sort of a, a, a... No, that one makes perfect sense. Uh, Big Sam sacking himself? I think, I think Big Sam has only done that to because he wants to keep doing what he's been doing, which is coming towards the latter stages of the season to a Premier League team that looks like they're going to get relegated, has the pieces to not get relegated and save them and look like a hero, and then he'll sack himself because he cannot continue a football philosophy or instill a football philosophy for an entire year anymore in the in the modern game. Some people said he just wanted to come back and make, make sure that his final um, actions in the game were not uh, the actions which... Um, ultimately sort of saw him feeling uh, uh, huge elements of shame, I guess. Um, and then he quit, but maybe he'll be back at some point. Uh, some people say best inside joke. I'm going to say Dave's hair. Um, best hair is Stuart Armstrong of Celtic. Uh, did you, uh, biggest surprise. Biggest surprise. Uh, maybe Liverpool actually making the top four. Maybe Arsenal not actually making the top four. Maybe Manchester United not doing quite as well as everyone thought they, um, yeah, uh, everyone thought they would. Best tactical innovation. Now, this one's an interesting one. Anyone else want to put that one out? I don't, I mean, in the Premier League, it's about three, but that's not really the case, is it, Nico? Sorry, I missed that. What was it? Best tactical innovation. Best tactical innovation. I guess Antonio Conte being able to transition the 3-4-3 that he played. Yeah, it was was a transition to that, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of that. Kylian Mbappe, I mean, Mbappe sort of plays a very weird position, doesn't he? Kind of. Sort of like a a winger kind of stroke, and a winger stroke something? Hmm. Uh, Nico, you have to leave. Uh, why do you have to? You have to go. I do. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. Unfortunately, I have someone who needs my desperate attention for some reason. Uh, wow, is she okay? Yeah, it's just my mom. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Nico, thank you very much. Uh, uh, fair enough. Uh, is, uh, is there anything else that we need from Nico before he leaves? Uh, no, Nico. We'll speak to you next week. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, I'm coming out with an article tomorrow. Maybe I can get that on the account. Of course, Nico Nico will get it on the Twitter account. Uh, Nico, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Nico underscore O Morales on Twitter. I will see you later, uh, and I hope you have a good night. Thank you guys so much. See you guys next time. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, Chris, then there were two. It is just you and I now. Um, best fans. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Did you say uh, It's pretty subjective, yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a weird one. Uh, I mean, Liverpool. The front three. Every time. Oh, I think my Twitter app just quit. Um, that's due to overload of people. Um, mentions. I'm back on mentions. Uh, Gareth Bale's hair. Uh, is some people saying. Where for worst haircut or best fans? Uh, for. 
worst haircut. Yeah, he's he's living a lie a bit, isn't he? Bless him. Um, worst miss of the season. You could say it's partly the guy um, who missed uh, the open goal. Is uh, Lalana? There have been, been quite a few sort of bounce off the post, bounce off the post things this year. You could say uh, the uh, maybe the worst miss of the season was Andre. Was it Andre Ayew for West Ham? West Ham. Yeah, that was Liverpool. pretty bad. And he missed it twice as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Oh. Are you, I mean, Chris, uh, obviously, uh, you could say ma- manager of the season, Rafa Benitez, for overcoming a lot of the doubters that maybe said he couldn't get out of that league. Some people saying he can only manage top-level players, etc., etc. Uh Yes, but I'd be more inclined to say David Wagner. Yeah, I mean, David Wagner, certainly, for coming in and uh, innovating within the league there as well. Just just, just because he um, had, had some kind of little to work with and, and really has taken him from the bottom to the top. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I mean, how do you, uh, how do you work that one out? What was, what's the deal there? Uh, you know, how, how, where can this project stop and why hasn't it stopped yet? Um, I was talking to someone uh, who works for a, a championship club in recruitment and he was saying, and it's, it's a theory I agree with, there aren't many very clearly defined styles in the championship when it comes to teams. I think they have a lot of players that have certain defined ways of playing, but how that all meshes together, I don't think that's um, necessarily the case. Whereas if you look at Huddersfield, they were coached to within an inch of their life. They were worked um, from a fitness perspective to the point where their, their fitness was elite level, like Premier League level, I mean. And so um, that means that it, it, they were just in a very good place to, to kind of you know work, work through what they needed to work through. Yeah, good point. Um I'm trying to go through some more of these awards at this point. Uh, goal of the season, apparently, Diame uh, against uh, Brighton. I, I think that one's a joke. Uh, most aggressive player and most polite player. Most aggressive, that's certainly an interesting one. Um, I'm really trying to think uh, a bit of a weird one, really. Uh, most polite player. Uh, I mean, if Eddie Howe was still... Um, most polite is maybe someone like Alex Oxley chamberlain looks polite. Sterling looks a bit more polite now, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Looks like a nice guy. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure the funniest fail, mm, can't really go through that one anymore. Worst goal of the season, there have been quite a few of those. Um, worst goalkeeping mistake, can't really, I mean, oh, that, was, that one is a tricky one. None really stand out in my head. I feel bad that um, Claudio Bravo jumped into my head for some reason. Yeah, where is he going to go now that he's definitely going to be a number two? I mean, he can definitely go somewhere else, can't he? Uh, probably back to Spain, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, there'll be quite a few uh, clubs probably looking for I mean, uh, let's also then cover then the, the Joe Hart situation. I mean, there's certainly a... You know, speaking of mistakes, uh, the Joe Hart situation is a bit of a weird one. He's sort of in a kind of club limbo right now, isn't he, Chris? Yeah, I, I don't think City want him. Um, 
but then at the same time, I just, I just don't think he's he's elite level. I'm not trying to be uh, sensationalist. I just don't think he's good enough. But do you, do you think? I mean, goalkeeper is such a sort of confidence-based position, isn't it? If you if you basically tell a goalkeeper you aren't good enough, then maybe they won't be. Um, a little bit, but then. Yeah, it's it's that fine line between what is, um, what is a case of decision making and what's actually bad technique. I think David Priest wrote a pretty good piece for the Times on on the technique of those saves against Scotland at the weekend. So maybe if you guys can find that, give it a read. Um, well worth it. But yeah, I I, I do. I, I just think that a lot of his it it to me it just seems like ability. Um. There's certainly interesting uh, ones here. Uh, someone says signing of the season goes to Paul Pogba. That one certainly is an interesting one. Uh, I mean, he, he hasn't been a bad one, though, has he, Chris? No, he's not been as bad as as people want you to believe. Of course, um, I just, I don't know. I just, I think it's one of those really bizarre scenarios where people are just desperate to. If he hasn't changed every single game that he's played in, then he must be a. Uh, a fraud, as as people like to say. Yeah, fraudiola. Um, managers, someone said, who would be the best PM? Carlos Zaldivar says, uh, who would be the best PM? Best PM? Ooh, uh, I mean, Jurgen Klopp certainly inspires, but you've got to say his systems sometimes fall down. Mourinho would be, I think he'd be a bit too iron-fisted. Pep Guardiola, maybe he strikes a bit, but maybe he's too idealist. No, I think I'm bored with Pep. You're on board with you're on board with Pep. Yeah, I've got to admit, I, I'm I'm not sort of against Rafa Benitez for PM. Sort of steady the boat, never go too out of, far out. Only really seems to have bad press. That's the only problem with him. Conservative in the right ways. Conservative, in, yeah, but not conservative in a, a, a political sense. Yeah, yeah. He would certainly he would certainly bring the economy under control, wouldn't he, Chris? Well, no, that's the thing. He's a little bit wasteful with money, isn't he? Isn't that the problem? Oh, I suppose he cares so. about everyone, but he's also a little bit wasteful. So yeah, he's a little, he's a little bit Corbyn, if anything. Uh, sure. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how wasteful Corbyn is with his money, but all right. Uh, geez, mate, do you want a job at the Sun? Um, I meant more in terms of he cares about the, the little people. Got you. Uh, your pick to spend an evening with? Who would you like to? Which manager would you like to spend an evening with, Chris? Uh. God, no one really jumps out there. Guardiola, I guess. I suppose Guardiola. Uh, Guardiola. Maybe David Wagner looks like a. He looks like he'd eat weird. Um, probably. Uh, best press conference answer. That certainly isn't interesting. There's going to be a Pulis quote somewhere in there, in there, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's if you carry on like that, you'll get a slap. Um, maybe best. Best person off the field, best bit of a woman. Best facial hair. There's not that many great football beards this year, are there? Uh, no, not really. Brian uh, Clayton shaved his off. Uh, yeah, there's really not actually when you think of it. Uh, your pick to spend an evening with, or I've been through that one. Uh, most likely to switch sport, uh, Jurgen Klopp. I think he'd do great in basketball. Uh, Accurate okay. tactical explanation of Zidane. Um, that's an interesting. I think we've done that in previous podcasts. Uh, 
I feel like we have, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, right, I think with there we uh, we're going to end the awards uh, for the season. Uh, if you want to suggest some of your own, we might do a video on our awards of the season, uh, and indeed we will um, we'll, we'll put them together into a very short video segment. Um, but in the meantime, look out for some new videos coming up on the YouTube site. Uh, let us know your nominations yourself. Like I say, we will go through those at some point. Uh, we would love also to hear from you what you want to see us do over the summer. Maybe there's some more YouTube, maybe there's some more podcasts. I might have some audio lying around that Chris and I can analyze from previous interviews, etc. I might have some previous podcast stuff and documentary stuff. Um, Chris, if people want to go find you, where can they find you? At the Frontery. Yes, very, very good. And the same for me. Of course, you can find Adam at Adam Boltwood and Statman Dave at Statman Dave. Uh, we are not really going to take a break. We're going to do weekly podcasts after this. We hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, but we'll see you again real soon right here on The Front Three. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.